Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket, the center point for communication and how we can improve healthcare outcomes globally. And that's what we do here through conversations with the most inspiring and successful healthcare leaders. Today, I have an outstanding guest. His name is Supreet Patel. He's the CEO of the Bestige Group. Supreet drives the Bestige Group's strategy, vision, and growth. Formerly a management consultant for leading companies such as Ernst & Young and the advisory board company, Supreet helped healthcare providers improve processes, deliver patient experiences, and sustain improvements through the use of analytics. He brings a deep experience in the healthcare industry to our clients and is passionate about helping providers develop effective strategies to grow in the evolving healthcare landscape. Supreet received his BS in economics from Duke University, and I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. So what I want to do is welcome Supreet to the show and then also open up the mic so he could share anything that I may have missed. Supreet, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, Supreet. One thing that I always am curious about, why healthcare? You know, everybody always has their reasons, but why did you decide to get into the medical sector? You know, it's funny. I, I like to say I didn't choose healthcare. Healthcare kind of chose me. I studied economics in college. I was all set to go into banking or finance or something like that. And I actually was working in finance in New York right out of college, but it wasn't what I expected, which is, I think, what probably a lot of people say with their first jobs. Absolutely. Um, so I got curious, and I, I remember at that time, like early 2000s, people were using Monster a lot, looking for new jobs. And I found a posting for a, a company called the Advisory Board Company. I knew nothing about healthcare at all, but they were launching a kind of a business intelligence and technology group, and it sounded interesting. So I just put my resume in. I didn't really think much of it. Didn't really, I would never share this advice with somebody else, of course, but <laughs> just submitted my resume and, and didn't do much research on it. And, you know, lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, got a phone call from them, went through the interview process, really liked the company, really young company, exciting, a lot of energy. And it was a topic of healthcare, which I didn't know much about, but I have a lot of family in, in the healthcare industry. You know, both my sisters are doctors. And so I've always kind of been drawn to it a little bit, but that's how I got in. I and that was, you know, the advisory board company it was a great place to learn about hospitals and health systems, how they work, what the industry was struggling with. And that's what really launched my career in healthcare. And I've been doing it ever since. That's excellent. And oftentimes we don't know how we're going to land where we land, but you were chosen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's fantastic. So Supreet, you've been doing a lot of great things. And now with your company, you're several years into the awesome things that you guys are up to, you know, based off of the things that you're seeing through clients and, and in the industry, what's a hot topic that you feel should be on every medical leader's agenda today? And, and what is the Bestige Group doing to address it? We're really big on this whole trend of healthcare consumerism. So treating healthcare patients as consumers of a service, because now more than ever, people are able to, they're shopping for services, they're doing their research, they're understanding what their options are people are becoming a lot smarter. And, and that makes sense, right? I mean, everybody has smartphones, everybody has internet, they're able to do research. I mean, look at how, you know, when was the last time you chose a restaurant without going to something like Yelp, right? right. I mean, right. I think that is starting to apply to healthcare and how you choose your physician. So we're really big on healthcare consumerism. So what we like to do is 
work with healthcare providers to say, look, there are certain patients and types of patients that are going to help your business grow. And we like to help them figure out how to connect with them. So how do you, how do you segment your patients and figure out the ones that are going to be really valuable for your physicians and for your business? And then how do you go about you know, reaching them because it's a very competitive environment, especially in the specialty market. So we like to, you know, apply statistical models that we've seen very deployed very successfully in retail and use those with a with a healthcare angle. I love it. And so as you look to engage this uh, healthcare consumerism topic, Supreet, what are your thoughts on just this whole thing that, hey, we have third party payers and a lot of people will say, well, the patients still really don't really do much of the impactful research that should be done. What are your thoughts on that? It's funny. I think it's a mixed bag. And, it, it, and with patients, it's probably a generational thing. Older yeah. patients, you know, my dad's out there. He's a Medicare patient, but he's not doing research. You know, he's going on whoever his primary care doc would suggest. But on the flip side, we, me personally, I do research for him, right? right so right, I'm right. out there researching his physicians and his choices. And and so I think that there are, there's a generational kind of difference there, but I think what we're seeing a lot of, and I was just talking to a vascular surgeon about this recently, um, and he deals with an elderly patient population. He was saying that a lot of the patients that come to them are coming because their kids are doing research and finding them and then, you know, setting up the appointments. So I, I still think that even though we have third-party payers and you might be able to go to your, you know, United website and, and look up what doctors in your network, I still think that increasingly people are taking those selections of who's in their network and then going and doing independent research on what the patient experience is like for other other patients. Now, that's really interesting. You know, and actually a couple of days ago, I was out for, for some coffee with some friends. And, you know, one of the things that, that I found surprising and I still want to look into is that oftentimes you'll go into a hospital and they'll provide you a non-disclosure agreement that prohibits you from talking about an experience at a certain hospital. And oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and if you make a Yelp review and they catch wind, you could easily get a, a lawsuit. With things like that in place, what is it that's going to help consumers get the information that they need, do you think? That's interesting. You know, I, I, Have you ever heard of that? I haven't, and now I'm kind of, I think there's a fine line, right? I can see it from both perspectives, like from the hospital perspective, you know, hospitals see thousands and thousands and thousands of patients. Thousands, right? There's yeah. bound to be, when we look at something from a, when we're delivering a service to consumers or customers, there's always going to be some percentage of them that, you know, unfortunately have a bad experience or maybe they're not, they're just not going to be in the right mood or whatever that might be. And so I can understand from the hospital perspective and saying, look, overall, we're providing high quality results. I mean, look at our quality measures or whatever those are. And we're trying to protect our brand, so to speak, by, by sure. limiting it through a non-disclosure. But from the patient perspective, it's a service and you're spending valuable money. And now people are having higher deductible plans and you're spending a lot more money out of pocket you know, than previously. So it's a very fine line here between trying to protect your brand, but also being fair to a consumer. Yeah, I think that's a really great, great call on, on that, uh, Supreet. And I agree with you. You know, it just, it definitely makes you wonder on the one hand, why? Be confident of what you guys are doing. And at the same time, you got to protect the brand that you work so hard to build. So as you look to strike up an opportunity to bring these patients, right? I mean, I think more data is better. So what are some examples of what you and your team are doing to help 
hospitals capitalize on this healthcare consumerism? Yeah, so we're we're big into using data that's out there currently. You know, we like to come into situations and we've purchased a lot of data that covers every, uh, pretty much every household in the country. And we're looking at things like, you know, obviously uh, demographic data like age, um, race, things like that. But we're also combining with net income and net worth and how long has somebody lived in a house and did they buy it or did they rent it? And we looked at all this data to try to tell a story about the population in an area to say, mm-hmm. look, here are your customers. Here are the people that live in this area. You have to target your outreach efforts. You can't just throw one message out to the marketplace because the marketplace is comprised of a hundred different segments of people and every different segment is going to attach to a different message. So if you're trying to promote maybe your prostate cancer screening service or something like that, you can't go out to every zip code or every um, block group within a zip code with the same message because there's going to be different people that live in there. So what we did was we went out and purchased a ton of consumer data mm-hmm. and we can go into a hospital or a you know medical group or you know any really provider setting and say, look, we can tell you who lives in each specific area so that you can then target your outreach and drive down your costs for marketing. Um, one thing we really try to focus on is how do you drive down your cost per patient acquisition? And the, the number one thing we like to say is you have to target your patients. You can't just come up with one message and hope it works. So that's what we did. We went out, we bought a lot of data, and then we can always take things further. Some For a couple of our clients, we then look at EHR data. We marry the two data sets and, and use advanced analytics to figure out what messaging is working where and how is that impacting profitability on patients. And it's really just using analytics to, to drive a lot of that decision-making. No, that's really neat. And so for hospitals that are looking to, just as things get more competitive and acquisitions happen, you really have to get your microscope out and understand your strategy. It sounds like the Bastige Group is really doing some advanced analytics to get some really clear-cut, thin slices of, of the population so that help hospitals target their marketing efforts. Yeah. And you know, it all came about because when we initially launched the company, the idea was to take patient data, EHR data, run it through statistical modeling and come up with patient you know, segments and tell you more about your patients. And I mean, time after time after time, the issue we came across was getting the data from the provider. I mean, as mm-hmm. you can imagine, right? It's just yeah. a complicated world. So this whole idea was born out of butting our heads against a wall over and over and over again. So we said, what can we do without patient data? And that's when we went out and we looked at the marketplace and we said, well, you know what? Other industries, they have data about people without having to come into your store. If you go to Starbucks and they open up a new location, they know everybody who lives in that area and they know the market potential for an area. And we said, well, let's do that. You know, we can probably go find this data about demographics, about smoking habits, exercise habits, you know, we can create risk profiles without having access to providers data. And that gives us something we can walk into the door with and say, look, we already have a product. You need it. Let's work something out. Supreme. And you know what the great thing about what you guys are doing there is? It's just like, so healthcare is moving from the hospital to the communities. And mm-hmm. as we have this shift in, in healthcare, a lot of people call it sick care, right? Sick care happens at the hospital. Healthcare happens in the communities. And it sounds like you and your team are, are really focused on healthcare information, not sick care information. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And that's a good point. I mean, I think hospitals are where people, unfortunately, they're tending to go too late in the process. It's more of a reactionary part of healthcare. And, and that's unfortunate because there's a lot of costs associated with that. 
And it makes, it puts a lot of pressure on hospital leaders on how to contain those costs and yet deliver care to people that, that need it. There's a social element to that. It's not just about financials. But, you know, to that point, we've also gotten, we're really excited about concierge medicine and direct primary care. And that's an industry that we're, we're getting into. Actually, we just were asked to launch a new concierge medical practice in the Southeast. And that's been oh, a great experience cool. for us. So, you know, it's one of these things where we can say that's something that we like learning about because one problem we always see in multi-specialty groups or even primary care groups is that the patient panel sizes are just too large for any doctor to be able to really effectively deliver care. There's too much strain on the provider. Yeah. So we like this direct primary care model where it's a smaller patient base. Doctors are allowed to give personalized care to their patients. They know more about them. I think it's a less stress environment for them too. You take a lot of the documentation responsibilities off of them. So we're, we're really going all in when we talk about healthcare consumerism and saying, look, there are new models of care that we really like and concierge and direct primary care is, is an example of that. No, that's pretty cool. And it really does sound like you guys are going more toward that side of, uh, you know, concierge medicine and healthcare, managing the patient before they get too sick to get into the hospital. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that people have to focus on or healthcare providers have to focus on. It's, it's, everybody talks about analytics and I think that's absolutely true. You do have to think about analytics, but we always say it's something about it's delivering personalized care with the help of analytics. You know, analytics is great for the business side of things, but it can also be applied in, in a clinical setting. But effective analytics, it only goes so far. At the end of the day, physicians are trying to help people. They're trying to deliver health care and make people healthier and live better lives. And, and they can't do that if they have to see, you know, 2,000 patients. Totally. So we try to kind of find somewhere in the middle ground that can work for everybody. Yeah, Supreet, there's a book that I just finished reading. It's called The Company That Solved Healthcare. Have you heard of that? I have heard of that. It's on my like reading list. I need to, I have an expanding reading list. No, I don't have too many books that I've finished, but <laughs> that's on the list. That one is a page turner, man. So one of our guests, Dr. Dennis Patterson, who is a pretty much a thought leader here in the, in the space, recommended it. And I'll tell you, man, floored by what they've done and concierge medicine was definitely a part of their strategy as a, you know, the company Serograph, they're a payer. So they mm -hmm. manage their own healthcare. Concierge medicine was part of how they managed to keep their runaway healthcare costs to be single digit rather than the double digit cost increases that we're seeing nationally. Yeah, I think it offers a really, it's a really interesting model. I think there's still a lot that needs to be kind of fleshed out in that model, but there's certainly benefits to both providers and patients. But like every model, there, there's drawbacks, but we like it for a lot of reasons. And I think we're seeing a lot more movement into that model. And, you know, I think the physicians we've talked to are big proponents of it as well, but there's a lot of risk in that model too, as a business. You know, totally. if, if you don't, if you don't balance your patient's and spread the risk out. If you don't have the right patient mix, it could be unsustainable. So there's a lot of things there that we personally are excited about because a lot of risk on that side means there's a lot of work for us. So that's good. But you know, you got to get the model right. Yeah. You know, and, and I think the, the sweet spot I've heard, and as I look into this and study it more, I think it's like 3000 or more employees yeah. to really be able to have the risk pool high enough to manage a, a program like that. I think it's pretty cool that you guys are heading down that road and I'm excited to, to see how, how it turns out for you guys. Let's definitely stay in touch and chat about that. Yeah, definitely. So do you have a proudest leadership 
experience up to this date? I, you know, you've been doing it for a while now. I mean, what would you say one of your le- proudest leadership experiences has been to date? You know, I think it's got to be when I, I was in consulting for a long time. I mean, helping hospitals, health systems. And, and I did, there was a point at which I got tired of it, not because I didn't believe in it anymore. I still think there's this ex, you know, extreme need for it. But I did think that things like the price points were getting a little out of control. And um, you know, we started selling things that, that I started having a moral conflict, like, do the clients right. really need this? So I think that the thing I'm most proud of is, is just going all in on this starting a business, you know, and just saying, you know what, I'm just going to start my own business. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. I'm going to take that risk and go for it. And as you know, I mean, you've talked to a lot of folks in, in the industry. I mean, launching a startup has a high failure rate. Um, <laughs> yes. you know, it's, a, it's a very high <laughs> risk endeavor. So I think it's not about where our business is today that I'm proud of. It's, it's more taking that chance and saying, let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's get out there and put up or shut up kind of mode. And so what was it that helped you make that jump? Supreet. I've been very fortunate. So I think that I, I had, um, because of the number of years I've worked and the places I've worked, I had a really good network of colleagues and clients and, um, and just people in the industry. And I think that's what gave me the confidence to say, look, I can go out and, and have a better chance than most at making this work because of my network. And I think that's what gave me the confidence to go for it was that network. And I think in healthcare, we have to be an industry that's willing to work collaboratively and yes. work with each other and and not be threatened by what somebody else is doing, but instead learn from it and say, okay, Absolutely. how can I take that? How can I learn from it? And how can I apply it to what I'm doing or what I'm doing with my clients? This is a big sector. There's room for all of us. There really is. I mean, I'm a big believer in, in paying it forward. And a lot of people, when we launched our company, came in, let us do projects that now that I look back on it, they really didn't have to let us do. And I don't, they were just letting us getting our bearings and giving us some case studies that we could go out and use for marketing purposes. And, you know, without those, we wouldn't be here today. So, you know, now I try to do that back to other people as well. And, you know, we've taken in an intern recently and helping out. And I think we just have to work collaboratively as an industry because there's a lot we can improve on, but there's also, there's a wealth of very, very intelligent people out there that are trying to solve these problems. Yeah, I think that's a really great call, Supreet. And, you know, part of the the thing that, that I wanted to do with Outcomes Rocket is be a catalyst to those conversations. And with a healthcare system that's 20% of our GDP, 3.5 trillion in dollars, there's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> plenty right. to go around that why not just focus our efforts in making it better for patients and creating opportunities for ourselves and our families while we're at it. Yeah, I think it's about breaking down walls. I mean, I remember years and years ago, payers and providers, you were either a, if you're a consultant, you were either a consultant that worked with providers or you were a consultant that worked with payers. You know, no way you would do both. I mean, that was a number of years ago, but now you know, these walls are kind of breaking down and you're saying, look, this is an integrated system. We have to understand both sides of, of what's going on to really try to better people's lives. And so breaking these walls down and getting smart about the whole process is, is only going to help. So, you know, we have to do that. Awesome. Yeah, we're definitely speaking the same language, my friend. <laughs> hey, so this is a fun part of the show. I like to do, it's a, we're building a medical leadership course. This is pretend, right? And, and what it takes to be successful in medicine today. And it's the 101 of Supreet Patel. All right. Okay. And so what I'd like to do is with your help, write down the syllabus and it's a lightning round with four questions. And then we'll finish up with a book recommendation. Sound good? All right. Sounds good. Awesome. What is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? You know, I mentioned it before. I think it's personalized care. And I think that 
there's a way to integrate analytics into that. But I think that primary care physicians, we have to figure out a way that their patient panels can decrease. And I, I think that outcomes are directly influenced by the amount of time they're able to spend with their patients, interact with their patients, um, guide their patients. You know, So I, I'm a big proponent of making a more efficient market here where they can spend more time with them. And I know there's a shortage of, of PCPs and that certainly adds to the, the issues here, but I feel like that to me is the number one way to improve outcomes is, is allowing physicians that time to spend and get to know their patients a little bit better and not so much time on you know, a lot of the backend stuff. For sure. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Honestly, it goes back to something that we just talked about, which is thinking you know everything. I think that too often, it's too easy to say, oh, we're already doing something really efficiently. You know, we're making money, so there's no way to improve. There's always a way to improve. And there's always a way to learn from somebody else who is doing it better. Because one thing I've learned in healthcare is there's always somebody doing it better. There's always somebody doing it a different way that you can learn from. And you know, whether that's smarter ways to give people access to care or better ways of educating people on healthy living. You know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things we can do. And I like to look at other industries. I mean, I think healthcare is, can really learn from retail and um, other sectors on how they engage with people. So yeah, that's what I'd say about that. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? You have to adapt. I mean, I think you become irrelevant if you don't adapt. Look at healthcare and the rapid advancement of, of the new technologies that are, you know, that we're leveraging. I mean, we're starting to play in predictive modeling and, and AI and, and machine learning and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's amazing technology out there that you have to be willing to learn and and leverage to drive value and, and give value to your clients. So I think it's the willingness to adapt to that and change. And this is a rapidly evolving landscape that you have to adapt to survive. Love it. And then finally, what is one area of focus that should drive all else in the company or hospital? One thing, the, my company at least, is we check check your ego at the door. We really try to live by that. And, and honestly, that's probably because we were a startup. So when I was a startup, I mean, you do everything. It doesn't matter if you're the founder or managing partner or whatever yep. it is. You you're scheduling appointments, you're um, putting the presentations together, you're, you know, you're selling, you're doing everything. It's check your ego at the door and do what you got to do to build your company and also deliver value to your clients. And I think that that's a motto that could apply to literally anybody in healthcare. It's get your hands dirty, get in it. Excellent. And what would you say the book is, Supreme? God, that's like, you know, when I saw your, (laughs) when you and I chatted before, I I started thinking about that. And I have a one-year-old, so I have not honestly read a book that didn't have illustrations in it um, for quite some time. Brown bear, brown bear? Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) I would say that instead of a book, I'm a big, you know, we're a Netflix family, like as soon as we put the baby to sleep. And we recently got into uh, The Crown and I know it's been out for a while, but we just binge watched it. And I, I honestly took a lot away from that series in terms of being ready for leadership when unexpectedly it's thrown your way. I mean, you know, that whole story about, you know, she, she, Queen Elizabeth became queen, but she was never actually in line for that position. But these unexpected outcomes are, are thrown in people's ways. And being prepared for that is something I think is really a valuable business lesson. So I, cool. I'm drawn to stories like that of, of leadership and, and preparation and, you know, expect the unexpected kind of thing. Nice. I had not heard of that. I just pulled it up real quick and it uh, looks really good. 
Yeah, it's every episode is basically like a movie. The quality of production wow. is phenomenal. So I'm a big proponent of that show. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. And and for the listeners, there you go. You have uh, If you haven't checked it out, it's called The Crown. And we always learn something new here on the Outcomes Rocket, whether it be leadership specific, improving patient outcomes specific, or you know whatever it might be to help what we're doing to help improve patient outcomes to, and help improve the healthcare sector. It's always awesome. So appreciate that recommendation, Spreet. Yeah, thank you. I definitely feel guilty for not having been as active a reader as I should be. Uh, I, don't feel bad about it. It's yeah. all, you're, There's other ways to obtain that information. And, and now the listeners get to have not just another book, but a video series. So exactly. There you I go. Something to credit for that. <laughs> something to watch on people's downtime. So there you go. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for that. So, Supreet, before we conclude, I know the time just flies while we're on here. What would you say a closing thought for our listeners would be? And also, what's the best place that they could get in touch with you? Yeah, a closing thought. I mean, I think I was looking through your list of folks that you've talked to recently, and it's a really good mix of people. I mean, people coming into healthcare from a lot of different perspectives. And actually, it's funny, you and I had chatted about one of your former guests, Andrew Ray. He's yeah, a he was friend. great. Yeah, he's a friend of mine, and we used to work together at Ernst & Young. But closing thought is exactly is in line with all the guests you've had, which is we really do have to do a, as a better job of being collaborative as an industry. And I think that the more you know, we can go on to talk to folks like yourself, you know, you're doing an amazing job connecting people that you know, may not have the same backgrounds, but have the same mission, which is improving healthcare and improving this industry and this sector. I think that's something we really have to focus on. I think that too often we get bogged down a little bit in the day-to-day of our businesses and what are we going to do to run our business better and efficiently. But we should also make time to go outside of our comfort zone and talk to somebody who has a different background and understand what they're doing and how they're operating. Because I guarantee if you just talk to somebody for 10 minutes, you'll learn something and you'll be able to apply it to whatever you're doing. So I really believe in that being collaborative and networking and talking to people you don't know. It's really impactful. Huge. And, and what would you say? And I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I'm glad that you share the vision. And I think a lot of people do as well, Supreet. And so I'm really excited for the time to come and, and the shift in healthcare leadership mindset that's happening. So you're a thought leader in that respect as well. And so what would you say for anybody that wants to get in touch with you and collaborate on the stuff that you're working on? What's the best place for them to get in touch with you? Yeah. So, I mean, two ways. LinkedIn is always great. I'm pretty responsive and pretty um, open on LinkedIn. So Supreet Patel is, you know, there's not too many of us out there, so you could search for that. Yeah. And then email is also good. And my email address is spatel at bestigegroup.com. Well, there you have it. Outcomes Rocket listeners. You have a gentleman here that is willing to collaborate, taking a look at more of the analytics side and just this focus on concierge medicine and uh, healthcare consumerism. Supreet, really appreciate the time you, you were on the show with us today. I think we covered some really great things and I'm looking forward to seeing how you guys change medicine at, at the Bestige Group. Well, I appreciate the time, Saul, and thanks for reaching out and letting me, uh, letting me be a part of this. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.